to Varium Music, your one-stop shop for the stories, secrets, and shenanigans of a popcorn-fueled theme park journalist. I'm Carly Wiesel, and I just ate a, what is this, a nectarine? A nectarine! I think it's nectarine. It's like reddish on the outside and whitish on the inside. Okay, I'm going to Google this in real time so I don't feel like an idiot. Uh, yeah, nectarine, baby! Uh, we have a tree we planted about two years ago outside of our house. And it finally yielded fruit. For a while, we had these squirrels who were devouring everything. All of our hard work was gone in the past, I think, two springs. We didn't have fruit, but this year, this year, we have a full tree full of fruit. And I don't really know when to pick it, but I picked some a few days ago, and so they're now ripe. And I was just eating it, so I felt like I was a little, I was music manning (laughs) those words, those S's, just slur like uh, lisping them a bit because I just had a mouthful of fruit. But it's okay, I'm here. I swear I'm focused on this week's episode, which fittingly is all about food, specifically food at Walt Disney World. I've been hard at work at the time of recording this on updating my Eater 38 That is Eater's franchise food map. They have it for every city, for experiences globally. I use it whenever I travel. I highly recommend it. But since the original editors made the Eater 38 for Disney World, a package for which they won an ASME award, which is a huge, huge deal, um, I have been tasked with editing it every year and updating it. So I just finished my updates for this year, for 2022. Those should be live by the time this episode is out. And I, since I'm in the food brain space, thought, why not let you know where where I eat and what I do when I go to Disney World? Because usually I only end up talking about Gideon's cookies and caramel corn and beans and hard-boiled eggs. Oh my God, that is not okay. But there's so many other things that I like to do and like to eat at and places I like to dine. So I figured, why not dedicate a whole episode to it? And since I am uh, painfully honest, as is the nature of a reporter and just me being myself, I will let you know we recorded this episode in advance. Uh, As you know, we were off last week. Jeff Fox went on vacation, a very needed vacation. I am determined to not bother him either during vacation or the day he gets back. So that's why this episode was in the can early. So if anything significant has happened in the week since I've recorded this, just know the only reason we're not discussing it here is because this was an early little, we like basically made a pizza of this episode and then put it in the oven and uh, we're going to eat it together. That's a terrible metaphor. Anyway, uh, I'm very excited about this episode, and I hope you are too. I cannot wait to share my faves with you, so why not wait any longer? I also really want to eat this nectarine, so I'm going to go back to it. Uh, Stick around! This week is going to be delicious! Okay, bye. Hey, y'all. Darius Rucker here. You know, a lot of people ask me, what inspires your music? And one of the big things is a strong sense of place. That's why I love my home state of South Carolina and want to share the awesome things it has to offer. From the beautiful mountains down to the sunny coast, it's got it all. Not to mention two of my personal favorites, great golf and amazing food. Come see why I love this place. Visit discoversouthcarolina.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This week, we are discussing where I actually eat 
in Walt Disney World. I was going to give you like, I don't know, a top 10 or something snazzy like that. But no, my suggestions require extreme detail because I don't know, maybe I talk too much about food at a theme park. Never, never. So I will be walking you through everywhere I usually eat or generally speaking, tend to eat at Walt Disney World's theme parks. It's a mix of quick service and table service and grab and go snacks. But honestly, this is probably where I'm chowing down if I'm in the parks. Also, I will say it once at the top so I don't have to ram it in your faces for the rest of this episode, but whoo boy, nothing like doing food research to remind you just how expensive things have gotten at Walt Disney World. Wow, 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 wow. So uh, we are going to start, of course, at the crown jewel, Magic Kingdom. And if I'm sitting down to eat in Magic Kingdom, it's Skipper Canteen or nowhere else. Truly, Jungle Navigation Co-Limited Skipper Canteen is essentially where I'm going, period. I've done Cinderella's Royal Table. I've done Be Our Guest. And now I'm just here in Adventureland eating sustainable fish or curry or whatever is the vibe of the moment. The menu here changes Too often for someone like me who is deeply loyal, it is hard to not get so precious about what they have. And, oh, I don't even want to talk about it. The whole fish appears to be gone. The whole fried fish, which you could eat in the shadow of Cinderella Castle. (sighs) I'm just uh, praying it'll come back and will quietly mourn it on my own. But I still stand behind this restaurant. The only, only other sit-down restaurant I'll typically frequent in Magic Kingdom is Crystal Palace. If I'm doing character dining, it is happening at Crystal Palace. I don't know why... Maybe because it has this, like, elegant feel. It reminds me of, like, the heyday of Grand Floridian in my childhood brain, even though it is not the character dining in Grand Floridian. Still, it's a nice way to do something special without really feeling like you're sacrificing park time, in my opinion, because I love looking out those windows in the front and seeing the castle. I've also had such good character interactions here with Winnie the Pooh and Tigger and Piglet. Uh, One time the characters like I went with my mom and my dad and they patted my dad's head in a very funny way. And it's a core memory. And I I don't know. I just I really like it because (laughs) Uh, TBD what the menu will be once it reopens with characters at breakfast time, because half the reason I like eating here are those cheddar breakfast potatoes off the kids buffet section. And I don't know if you're like me, but I always, I know you can eat off the kids section of the buffet. It's a buffet. They're not carding you, but I still feel a little weird, like halfway squatting down to be like, "Mm, cheesy potatoes for this adult. Like swear I have a kid back at the table. I just always feel a little uncomfy taking the food from the kids section. It's like taking a food out of the mouths of babes, so to speak. But the cheddar breakfast potatoes are so good that I don't care. And I do it anyway. I mean, you're allowed to, but. I like to follow the rules. Isn't it just for kids? Anyone can eat those potatoes. They're so good. Oh, wow. I haven't had those in a while. Now, if I need a real meal at Magic Kingdom, which doesn't happen often, I'm probably going to head to one of two quick service restaurants in the park. My first pick is Columbia Harbor House. You all know that I am out here on the hunt for protein. I have plenty of treats, obviously, but for me, Visiting the parks is kind of a game of survival, and I need protein in me every, like, six to eight hours, or I get very mean. (laughs) So grilled salmon with green beans and rice or a grilled shrimp skewer, which I have not yet had but looks great, that's kind of the best you're going to get in this end of the park. It's very hard to find a piece of, of fish, find a piece of fish in Magic Kingdom, so I tend to end up there if I need something like that. However, if I just want to chow down, I go to Pecos Bill and I do something very disgusting. 
<laughs> now, this is kind of not available right now because the version of the salad they have has fruit in it, and that would be absolutely nauseating. But I would usually get whatever version of a salad, or right now I would probably get a bowl. It's a chicken rice bowl. And I order a side of queso, and I dump it on top like it is salad dressing. The queso is a dollar. Uh, it's also available via mobile order, so you can like add it into your order in advance. And I, I don't know why, but having just a theme park salad with cheese as dressing is the ideal move for me to eat something healthy and have it be just doused in cheese is where I'm at. I just love a small cup of cheese that you can add on the side. All I want is queso all day and night at these parks. Now, snack-wise, if I'm here, I'm probably getting popcorn, and it is usually coming from the cart on the right side of the castle if you're facing it in the hub. My mom swears by that is the best popcorn cart. I completely agree. It is always popping. It is always fresh. And it is always very, very good. It's very yellow, if you know what I mean. I would call it butter, but it's not a butter product. But it it is so good. And now that we know that Werther's is selling caramel corn, fresh made caramel corn at Big Top Souvenirs in Fantasyland, now I'm kind of going there for caramel corn. I've been there twice now in the past few weeks to get caramel corn. The first time it was a perfect consistency, as you know, when we get to Epcot uh, in in general, like in life and in this podcast, Epcot is a, it's a hit or miss. Caramel corn at Disney World is a hit or miss product. And here it it hit the first time. The second time was a little bit of a miss. Put it in the fridge. It hardened up. It was good. But I got to try it again to see what the consistency is like there. But getting it in Magic Kingdom is such a good snack to have in your bag in the park. Cheeseburger egg rolls. I am a fan. The only problem is that once I start chowing on them, I cannot stop. So I got to make sure I'm hungry enough at the right time when walking past the cart. I think they're absolutely delicious. And if you eat meat, I highly recommend them. And last but not least, uh, my go-to wackadoo thing besides cheese salad, oh my God, is to mobile order a cup of cheese from Casey's Corner, get a soft Mickey pretzel from the hub, and then go sit outside of Casey's and eat them together. Uh, I, as you know, I do not love the peel top cheese. I will dabble here and there just because it's not, you know, I won't refuse to eat it. I just prefer nacho cheese. But pairing those two together, ah, it's, it's harmonious, as one might say. Oh, that would be a perfect transition into Epcot, but I have one more food for Magic Kingdom. If I'm getting Dole Whip, I usually do it here. I don't know why. It feels more special. It feels correct. And I'm always getting a swirl. I'm always getting a swirl because vanilla soft serve at Disney Parks is perfection. To discuss Epcot, I have a few table service spots I prefer to frequent, most of which I have not visited as of late because they're very indoors and I've only recently started dining indoors again at Walt Disney World. Um, As you no, I follow depending on caseload. I make my decisions. So lately at my last trip, I was dining indoors a few times here and there at the beginning. Um, so I haven't been back to all of these, but I will give you my recommendations regardless. My favorite go-to restaurant is Via Napoli. I know some people don't like it here, but I love it here. There is nothing like coming here extremely hungry and taking down a whole individual buy, which I did after, oh my gosh, maybe the Toy Story Land opening. I just remember being here so hungry and eating so much pizza. I like silently ate an entire pizza. I needed it so bad. It might have even been bigger than the individual size. I can't remember. I, I took down a lot of pizza. And it has forever been at the top of my ranks since then. I like to get pepperoni. That's kind of it. I think their pepperoni pizza is fantastic. Uh, I am very picky about pizza. I usually don't like it and I love it here. But 
I need to go back. I really won't eat pizza anywhere else at Disney World because it's not always good. I did recently revisit Pizza Pizza Ponte. Is that how you say Pizza Ponte? Ponte? Pizza Pizza Ponte. We'll just go with it in Disney Springs, which it wasn't bad. I went there with Shay Spence, who many of you know. Uh, we each got a, a different kind of slice. I got more of like a thick focaccia slice. And it was pretty good, but I still prefer Via Napoli. I still prefer it. One day, one day I will come here with enough people to do that. What is it? The Mezzo Metro, that big, long pizza. I sadly don't have a big enough family or friend group who can coordinate. But one day I will get my hands on that big pizza. Another place I love Chefs de France. I cannot wait to return here once the once the French staff return en masse to Epcot. Visiting the France Pavilion and ordering food from non-French people lowers the stakes. I like to be stressed. <laughs> I like to order a baguette from someone who is actively judging me by how I say something like cook monsieur. So I really miss Chefs de France for that specific reason, and I cannot wait to go back once the international program is fully back up and running. Now, when I'm here, I'm getting the escargot. I love a theme park escargot. I love living on the edge. It's a risk. Yes, of course. But it's always turned out well for me. And the escargot here is really, really good. It's hard to find escargot. It's just like a casual theme park restaurant, which maybe is a good thing. But I love to get it here. The French onion soup is also great. I tend to just like pick around different entrees. I don't get the same thing every time. But they do also have this macaroni and cheese that's for kids, but I've ordered it. It's great. If you like Gruyere cheese, it is super cheesy. It's not my preferred cheese, but the mac and cheese is still solid. Like seemingly everything these days, it doesn't appear to be back yet or at all. So TBD, I don't know because I, I, you know, the Epcot restaurants are currently run by a different staff than they're usually run by. So fingers crossed that when Chefs de France is 100% back up and running with everyone there, we will get that mac and cheese back. Also, I know I said I wouldn't harp on prices, but some of the prices here are shocking. A chicken salad at lunchtime is $30? Good Lord! This is clearly why I've mostly been doing quick service. Some other suggestions for places I enjoy. La Hacienda de San Angel. I think that this restaurant, which is on the water, not inside the pyramid structure at the Mexico Pavilion at Epcot, remains my favorite of those two. I did recently have a really good meal for Jeffrey's birthday inside at San Angel Inn, but La Hacienda, I don't know, it ekes it out, I think because they have a queso fundido and I'm a cheeseaholic, so I got to go with the pile of hot cheese. Tuto Gusto Wine Cellar, which nobody talks about, and I have not been back to in a while, is a great place to hide away, get some food, get a drink, and avoid kind of the whole dog and pony show of it all, of trying to get a proper dining reservation. Last time I was here, I think I got a few drinks. I got a cheese board. It was a good time and a good vibe. And Tutu Italia next door is also really good. But again, if I'm that close to pizza, I kind of want pizza. But these two are super solid and I snooze on them too often. Too often. Uh, special mention to Takumi Te, the high-end Japanese restaurant, which has yet to reopen in the Japan Pavilion and is hands down the best place I've ever eaten in Epcot or probably in a theme park ever. I had an exceptional meal there with friends back in 2019 before they closed during the pandemic. I cannot wait. I pray they reopen. It is so good and worth every single dollar. But alas, 
If you know me, you know that I'm mostly eating a pile of food at a quick service restaurant. In Epcot, it's one in particular, La Cantina de San Angel, the quick service restaurant in the Mexico Pavilion. I am getting beans. I am getting queso. I am getting chips. And I'm eating with a view of the water, sometimes a view of Brooke McDonald, since we often end up here together. But these black beans, again, protein needed in a long theme park day. These black beans are still holding on strong at $2.25. It's a slight uptick in price. I believe they were just straight up $2 before. But if Disney messes this up and starts changing it to a thimble or just charges like eight bucks for a cup of beans... I will riot. <laughs> I, will, I will absolutely lose it. Uh, the last time they truly, truly broke my heart was when they removed the choose your own ingredient rice bowls at Lucky Fortune Cookery in Disney California Adventure a few years back. If they mess with the beans, if they mess with the beans, oh, I'm going to lose it. Now, another suggestion I have, it's not a quick service nor a snack cart nor a full restaurant, but I gotta give it up in an honorary mention, I suppose, for La Cava del Tequila. I recently went there. I stuffed my face with queso and guac and chips, and I had an avocado margarita, which I haven't had in a while, and it holds up to the memory you have of an avocado margarita, which is not easy to do. Also, avocado margaritas feel very 90s. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like a like a thick slurp. Just it's so green. It it tastes like 1991. I don't know why. <laughs> it just tastes retro, but perfect at the same time. Oh, I really love that place and I got to go more. In terms of snacks, uh, caramel corn is where we're going at Caramel Kush in the Germany Pavilion at Epcot. Again, I think of it like a matrix where, you know, like a like a four quad structure where you kind of it can be a little too hard or it can be a little too soft or it can be a little too caramely or a little too not caramely enough. So hitting the sweet spot is difficult, but I always got to try. I always got to try. And also mobile order. It I've sometimes I've seen it not work, but mobile order, you can usually mobile order caramel corn and just pick it up real quick. On hot days, I love the Kakigori shave ice at the Japan Pavilion. I usually only take the time to stop and eat it when it's boiling hot out because it can be messy, so you don't really want to walk around with it. But I like to get strawberry or melon, and I always get the sweet milk topping. It is non-negotiable. I am 100% getting it. I recently got that and also got this, I think it was a spicy tuna roll. It must have been a spicy tuna roll. or Yeah, it was tuna. Uh, And it was not great, not for fish reasons, but it was so spicy in a way that it's not supposed to be like like wasabi spicy in the roll, which is not typical. It kind of like torched my mouth and I eat a lot of spicy food. So just a warning about that. I also have, I don't know why I wrote this out. I also have some other observations and feelings I want to share with you about Epcot dining. <laughs> um, Sometimes I will get a pretzel at Germany Pavilion, not always because there's no cheese in sight. You're kind of only working with mustard and it's a lot of pretzel for just mustard, but I do like them. There's also this pizza roll thing at Sunshine Seasons that is tempting me. I haven't gotten it yet. It looks real greasy, which Disney Food Blog said, but I don't know, something about like a Disney Hot Pocket is very appealing to me. And this is neither here nor there, but I I just got to mention it. I recently got a soda at the popcorn stand just past Creation Shop. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to get a popcorn. I'm going to get a Diet Coke. I'm going to be chilling. And the, the there was no lid. 
Um, which I usually, if I've encountered that before, I'm like, no, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm moving around with this. Do you have a lid? And there's a lid. And they were like, absolutely not. We have no lids. So I just kind of walked around like an idiot with like a big icy glass of soda just sloshing back and forth. I hated it. I hated that. It was a real buzzkill. Um, I, I don't know if this is happening a lot. I've never experienced walking around like a take, doing a takeaway soda with nothing. Um, but if you've experienced this too, I apologize because that was not fun. <laughs> not fun. Okay, you know that feeling that everyone knows something that you don't? For me, that used to be Quince, but no more. Quince is a truly astounding retailer, essentially carrying everything a person on your mood board would wear. We're talking washable silk blouses, chic leather bags, 14 karat gold jewelry, European linen dresses, and the best part of all is that Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They're out here with $50 Mongolian cashmere sweaters. $50! Beautiful, timeless items you can wear and actually live in. Meaning, you don't have to be scared to bring them on your theme park travels. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. And if you're sensitive to retailers like I am, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. But it's not just your everyday work-life clothes. They have everything. I recently joined a new gym, big deal for me, and desperately needed new workout clothes to wear there. It's kind of like an LA gym, so like it kind of got to look cute. So I ordered a pair of their ultra-form bike shorts and high-rise pocket leggings. And when I tell you, the quality of these leggings is truly on par with brands I paid three times as much for, which really kind of makes me love these three times more. I'm not only going to buy them again, but actually buy the other travel stuff in my cart because they have things like beautiful pastel suitcases for 129 bucks and these wildly affordable compression packing cubes that I have been waiting forever to buy compression packing cubes and they're always so pricey and here the price fits. So if you want to get ready for work, your new gym, travel, anything in your life, go to Quince. Quince.com slash amusing will get you free shipping on your order and 365 day returns. Ooh, that's nice for someone who puts stuff off like I do. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash amusing to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash amusing. Disney's Hollywood Studios. I'll be real with you. I do not spend too much time here. This is probably my least frequented park. And the time I spend here, I'm usually not eating a meal. When I do table service, I often eat at 50s primetime. And while I do enjoy 50s primetime and I recommend it often, especially for families, I love the decor, the wait snap is amazing. But Every time I get in here, I sit down and I'm like, yeah, we're doing it. And then I look at the menu and I go, oh, no, I don't eat meatloaf. And the cycle begins again. I love it here. I always end up ordering off the kids menu because I don't want the regular meal food. But I still love it here. So I, I recommend it with, with a bit of a caveat. The same thing kind of happens at Hollywood Brown Derby. I just went with my friend Jeffrey and his friend Jeffrey, Double Jeffreys, and we sat on the patio and we had a great time. I got the Escargot Casino appetizer. Again, this is a pro snail and theme parks fan account. <laughs> but I had the Cobb salad, the famous Cobb salad. And I, I, I don't, 
I don't know. I mean, I had a really good time and like the salads, you know, it's fine, but it's really not amazing. I I don't know. I eat a lot of funky salads and it kind of just felt like a mama bird chewed it up and spat it out for me, the baby bird to consume. You know what I mean? It just felt like, like a, like a mom bird and then spit it out. And like that, you're just eating like little, little, little bites of a mushed up salad. I know I'm going to hear about that one. I shouldn't have said that, but still I, it leaves, uh, leaves plenty to the imagination one might say, which is not great for a signature dish, but I will proceed regardless with my go-to recommendation, which is Docking Bay 7 Food and Cargo. They did it. They did it. Now, more often, I'm usually eating here at Disneyland, and I don't really like, because, you know, 99% of the restaurants we don't have back home in California, so it's preferable to opt for something besides here. But I do really like it here. I do like the fried Andorian chicken tip yip. I don't know why I said it like that. I love the mac and I love a little mac and cheese and a little fried chicken, which is why that is great. Uh, The roasted Andorian chicken salad is solid. Also, this menu has stuff I have not had before. The pika tuna pokey, pika tuna pokey, um, sounds very refreshing on a hot day. And this hot chicken tip yip, I can't believe every time I'm there, I forget to get it. I gotta try that. So yeah, docking bay, I don't know. I'm a fan. And if I'm in a pinch and I'm not near there, I'm going to Backlot Express. (laughs) There are a lot of places at Disney World that are very, ah, we need food now. You know what I mean? Like you're just in the park. You have a kid who's crying. You have a parent who's hungry. And you're like, we need food. And Backlot Express is typically the one I pile into. I remember running in there one day when it was raining and we're like, we need food and it's wet. And it did the job. There's also usually a healthy option and an unhealthy option here, which makes it a really good balance depending on what group you're with. Um, The unhealthy option for me typically means chicken fingers. But more importantly, you can get cheese fries here. They have the good cheese and a Wookiee cookie, which is $6.29. Good Lord. But still, you can kind of you hit all your spots. You can get a fun dessert. You can get nacho cheese. So that's why I always like to keep Backlot Express in my back pocket. In terms of snacks at Disney's Hollywood Studios, yeah, I was not messing around. I usually do not eat here. The carrot cake cookie at Starbucks is still one of my all-time favorites. It's basically just a one-hander, a one-hand cake. I am 90% sure they still sell it. I actually didn't end up in that Starbucks at all when I was at Disney World for like half the month of April. Um, But I know it does become seasonal when they replace it for like a wintertime cupcake, I'm pretty sure. So uh, if you see it, grab it because it's it's one of my faves. Baseline Tap House, their Bavarian pretzel with beer cheese fondue is one of my go-tos. Uh, Disney went really hard on beer cheese a few years ago. Like I feel like 2018, it had a moment. They were selling it in, they were selling a, a Bavarian pretzel with beer cheese inside Magic Kingdom, which feels even off brand for them. So I'm glad this one has remained because I do like the beer cheese at this location. And also... In fact-checking stuff, I noticed there's this strawberry hibiscus soda on tap there, which I didn't know about. I usually bypass the drinks because I don't drink beer. So uh, I'm into that. I'm into that one. And uh, last but not least, Oronto Wrap. They're great. They're solid. And I do prefer the vegetarian version that they have at Disneyland instead of the vegetarian version here. But Oronto um, Wrap can't go wrong. It's real good. Real good little porky sandwich. And finally, 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 we have Animal kingdom. I have eaten everywhere in this park and I'm I'm kind of fine with almost all of it. Well, mo- okay, some. 
I'm fine with some to most of it. I came on too strong and then I did a little mental lap around the park and I'm like, well, actually, I'm okay with a good amount of it. But there's so much solid quick service here that resembles actual food. You know what I mean? Like actual food that didn't come out of a freezer that I often find myself not sitting down to table service because I'm too busy at quick service. I used to be the number one fan of Tiffin's and it's still really good, but I just miss the early menu to be completely honest. It was so ambitious and so out there and I really appreciated that. And of course, things change over time to meet customer demand, but Still a fan, just not uh, leading the charge of the fan club, one might say. They do still have the whole fried fish, which I adore and recommend and appreciated being on the menu, but I more often lately am kind of just at Nomad Lounge. If I'm there with friends, I'm usually there with Brooke, and Brooke is usually at Nomad Lounge, so I just kind of end up there. And none of the the food food there is my favorite. They have those churros that happen to be gluten-free, which are great, but none of the meal food has ever been my go-to. Until I just went there and they had the Gobi Manchurian, the incredible crispy fried cauliflower from Tiffin's on the Nomad Lounge menu. I ordered that with a Diet Coke. It was heaven. I also got a side of kids mac and cheese, which was terrible. Uh, But the Gobi was phenomenal. I loved eating it outdoors. It was such a nice view and to hang out with people. And I highly, highly, highly recommend doing that. Otherwise, No hate to Flame Tree Barbecue. I know it has its stands. It is solid as heck, but Satuli Canteen is my spot and my speed. I love a grain bowl. I love protein. I love being able to customize something to not include those off-brand boba balls, those little exploding pearls. That does not make that does not make this place on another planet. To put a little a little ball in it that just blurps juice. That does not make this an alien food. Can we stop putting inferior everlasting gobstoppers on top of vegetables, please, Disney? Please, get out of here. But yes, I do still like to eat here, even with how offended I am by these. And I also like to get a kid's meal on the side to just snack on to have two things at once. I usually get the cheeseburger steamed pods, but a few weeks ago, I got the Teilu, the dough-wrapped hot dog, and it was very good. I highly recommend. Wow, I did not eat enough breakfast this morning because I'm now jonesing for a whole hot dog in the morning, which is not ideal. Uh, A place I don't go to as often as I should is Yak and Yeti Local Foods Cafe, the takeaway stand associated with the restaurant. They have some stuff on the menu right now that really appeals to me. Korean fried chicken sandwich, honey tempura chicken, and I'm bummed I didn't make it there when I was in the parks a couple weeks ago, a week ago, recently. We'll go with recently. As for snacks in Animal Kingdom, there is a big old pretzel in Pandora uh, at, oh, what is it called? Pongu Pongu? I think it's called Pongu Pongu. Um, I will never buy one of those pineapple cream cheese lumpia that they sell because I do not like sweet cream cheese. No, no, no. But this pretzel, I believe it's called the Navi-sized pretzel. Okay, I don't think that's what they used to call it, but sure. Uh, it comes with a beer cheese dipping sauce, which I will just plow through when I need food immediately. I like it. It's like a big snack. You can share it easily. It's nice. Otherwise, I will sometimes, if I'm feeling in the mood, uh, mess around with a Dole Whip with rum at Tamu Tamu Refreshments. Again, this place has become a little bit of a a graveyard for me personally. They used to have this Malva cake, which was absolutely delicious. It was like a sweet caramelly cake. And every time I walk past, it's not there. And I just look at it longingly and I will continue to mourn it. But if I really want, if I want a little bit of a, a tipple in the afternoon and a little sweet treat, I will head there. 
Now, last but not least, we have a bonus section of places I've never been to that I am welcoming encouragement for because I've never been there. Y'all are the experts. Uh, you can try to convince me, but I'm pretty strong in my convictions. Uh, I left off hotel recommendations from this episode. I will do that another time. But they are included here because first up is Cape May Cafe. My friend Angie, who runs Adults at Disney, would swear by this place. And I meant to go, but I just never have. It's never been a priority for me. And now that crab legs, which is what you go here for, for the dinner buffet, are a $29 upcharge per pound. <laughs> oh my gosh, on top of the $42 buffet price. Yeah, I don't see why I would ever go here ever. Disney Food Blog even reports that you can get Maine Lobster which will set you back for an extra, how much was it? $42 for a pound and a third of lobster? I would just rather go to a non-buffet in that case. And the vibe feels like walking into a 90s photo album. I'm sorry, and like not in a good way. So that's just me, but eh, probably never going to step foot in there in my life. Next up, ABC Commissary. Listen, it could have the best food in the world, and I will never know. I will never I don't know why I refuse to walk in the door, but it's just not happening. And it's never happened for me, and it will never happen. <laughs> Maybe because it feels like I'm traveling through some like synergistic wormhole, and if I pick up lunch at, at the mess hall, which is what this is basically styled after, I'll just like start getting emails from someone at the Walt Disney Company being like, you're late on your assignment. Can you set up this meeting? Like, I just feel like I will be automatically assigned a job of someone's assistant by going to a commissary-themed commissary. I mean, the Mediterranean salad sounds good, but like, no, no, I'm not going there to see like posters of the Goldbergs and Blackish while I eat some salad. No, no, not going to happen. Third, oh boy, Everglazed Donuts and Cold Brew at Disney Springs. Y'all must be out of your minds with this one. We are at the tail end of the fun donut trend, and I am not about to pay a premium for it, especially when Voodoo is right down the road at Universal doing it better for much cheaper. You're charging $5.75 for a donut. $5.75 for a donut. Why? Because you put like a little Reese's peanut butter cup in the center hole. Get out of town. Never going to go here. Never going to spend that much on what appears to be a mediocre donut. Again, have not had it, but <laughs> not going to not. They're not. They're not taking my money. They are not taking my money. Fourth is Harambe Market, which absolutely breaks my heart. They have been phoning it in lately with bowls. Bowls. When we have an entire restaurant dedicated to bowls inside Animal Kingdom that I actually like, this one decided to go, hey, let's make bowls. Oh boy, what a fall from grace this place has had from what it is supposed to be, which is three different stalls with three different identities. The streamlined menu they have right now is so sad. And I know it's a pandemic. I know, but what the heck? Ugh. So disappointing. They used to have ribs and skewers and vegetable stacks and sausage and an African milk tart. And now they're just bowls with like some kind of, I don't know, like cilantro rice. Is that what this is? Oh, and a, what a, a Mediterranean influenced salad. Are you kidding me? Oh, okay. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yawn. Not going here. Bye-bye. And last but not least, feel free to convince me otherwise you never will, is Coral Reef Restaurant. You gotta be out of your mind to have me eat a piece of fish in front of a tank 
of fish. I've never heard of anything so cruel, <laughs> so demeaning, so unappetizing. I, I can't. Like, I would go there and eat a steak, no problem. I'd be like, I'm on Team Aquarium. I'm eating land animals. Let's do this. But the fact that you can order fish and stare at fish and be like, mm, isn't this delicious while you're looking them in the eye? breaks my heart. I could never do it. If you have any tips, I would I would love to check out this restaurant, but I'm I'm a little too scared to even step through the door. So uh, let me know if I should change my opinion on that or any of these. Maybe that $5.75 donut that just looks poofy and tasteless is good. I don't know. Let me know. I accept your critique and feedback. And I thank you for listening to this very special food-filled episode. Hi, Carly. This is Jen. Um, I have a question that I think only you can solve. I've been going to Disneyland for a long time. Like, I remember parking in a parking lot that is now California Adventure. That's how long I've been going. I could have sworn that when California Adventure opened, there were actual sea lions slash seals in the pier area, like when you walk across the bridge to go to the food area, I could have sworn. I Googled, I've tried everything, I've asked actual cast members, workers, etc. Everybody thinks I'm crazy. Am I crazy? All right. Thanks, Carly. Love the show. Now this this is what the Churros Hotline is for. So I want to thank you from the bottom of my cinnamon sugar dusted heart for reaching out to me to solve this burning question, which I think I did. I may have come close to an answer. It's not definitive, but it's close. I do want to start by saying you are absolutely right. There is no way to source this answer online. I even went into like my journalistic references and I looked up newspapers around that time. And every story I found that had Disney California Adventure and sea lions in it was basically just a roundup of summer experiences you can have at theme parks across California. And all the sea lion references were tied to places like SeaWorld. So it was very tricky to find something definitive. So I did what any hard-hitting reporter would do. I posed the question to Twitter and I got a good amount of responses back. And none of them said there were sea lions. Now, that is not on its own definitive. But what I will mention is that some people mentioned that there were sea lion sounds played in the park around that time. So that might be what you are remembering. And to go along with that, there was also apparently a dolphin show at Knott's Berry Farm, which Jeff Gordon LA, at Jeff Gordon LA, Jeff Gordon is his name. That may be what it is. And then another person, Corey Arias, I, th- I hope I'm pronouncing your name correct, Corey. Uh, Corey said Magic Mountain also had a dolphin show. So there is a chance that you are kind of amalgamating the sound and the early visit plus one of those shows. I would point you in that direction of your core memories because that's where I think it might be coming from. But To my knowledge, I am unable to confirm that there were sea lions at Disney California Adventure. That's that's as far as I could get. So I I hope that gives you at least something uh, to solve this mini mystery a bit, to put a little lid on the jar, so to speak. I hope that helps. I hope that helps. Thank you so, so much for calling. Hi, Carly. Georgie here. I'm a big fan of the podcast and just a generally big Disney freak. I wanted to see if you had any information about something that I've kind of stumbled upon. So I was trying to book a one-night stay 
at um, a Disney World Resort hotel. And there was, like, actually no one-night stays available for the date I wanted. So just out of curiosity, I tried to put in a two-night stay for the same time, just adding on an extra day. And then all of a sudden, there were a ton of available rooms to get. So I was just curious if you happen to know, um, does Disney World block one-night stay reservations in their hotels? Thank you so much. So the answer to the question, does Disney World kind of sort of block one-night stays? Is yeah, they, they kind of sort of do. I got in touch with someone who tipped me off to some details about this, and it ends up that this is not a conspiracy theory. Like y- y- you're kind of on the right path, and I'm glad I asked because I myself went to look up some dates to see if there were single night hotel stays, and there were. So I was like, maybe this isn't maybe this isn't that big of an issue. Maybe it's not a problem. But yeah, y- what you are observing is actually true. What I will say is that the information given to me was a tip from one person, so it it is not etched in stone, it is not official policy, it is not uh, guest-facing information, this is just something I was tipped on, so take it lightly, it is not official, 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 but this is what I was told. Now, it is multifaceted. Essentially, Disney World is a place that people don't really go to for one night, so a lot of the rooms are mostly geared towards those type of reservations. You can occasionally find one-night stays, particularly during, like, off-seasons, quote-unquote, because those don't really exist anymore, or slower seasons, but they're pretty hard to come by. There are also certain locations at Walt Disney World, certain resorts, certain room types that can only be booked for a minimum amount of nights, which is why sometimes when you're looking up one-night stays, those don't even pop up. But... I was given a tip for how to book a one-night stay, and it's not, it's not not allowed, but it is vaguely questionable, so I'm just going to put it out there. I, I don't know if I'm co-signing this. I'm just going to tell you what I was tipped on so that if you are the odd person who just needs a one-night stay and you just need one thing, I'm just going to give you this intel. So apparently, it's suggested to look for Whatever time you want to go, whatever resort, whatever room, check for five days, four nights. So basically check for a four-night reservation. And then once your reservation is confirmed, you can take other nights off the stay so it's just one night. Again, uh, Disney, don't call me. (laughs) That is not my tip. Uh, I'm a conduit for information. I'm just letting you know. But uh, you, you you are not incorrect. You, you sleuthed it. And I'm happy to solve this mini mystery because... I, I'm I'm floored. I knew that there were, you know, availabilities held for longer vacations because that's their core fan base. But to know this little tip for how to back end into a one night only, well, I'm just happy to share it with you. Just happy to drop it here. Uh, it's not mine. Just dropping it here. Just dropping it there. Just dropping it there. Thank you for calling. Hi, Carly. It's Alex from New York. We're doing a monorail call in August around uh, Disney. We wanted to know your opinion how what order you would go in what time things you would eat along the monorail crawl it's for adults and two kids going so we want options for everyone have a great day bye Woo! now this is a fun call and i need to let you know up top that i spent way 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 too much time <laughs> figuring out your monorail crawl plans so i'm gonna try to uh be loose with it i'm gonna try to give you suggestions and not try to just slam a very detailed itinerary down your throat so <laughs> fingers crossed this isn't 
too aggressive. Uh, I thought the best way to go about it would be to give you two options, both for daytime and nighttime, depending on you have if you have a day where you don't have park admission and that's why you're doing the crawl, or if you're just doing it at night to have fun. So I will give you recommendations for both. And for anyone who isn't as familiar with Disney World or the monorails, um, your resort monorail stops will include Disney's Contemporary Resort, Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, and Disney's Grand Floridian Resort. Essentially, the resort monorail goes in that direction, and I hate wasting time, so I will be guiding you in that order, though where you start will change. Now, for your daytime monorail tour, which has both children and adults, I would recommend starting having a seated lunch at Steakhouse 71. You can have a really great meal there. I love the burger. We're mentioning it in this episode. I'm mentioning it here, too. That's that's very amusing synergy. But basically, because it is daytime and you're really going to, it's hot out, you kind of want to sit down and have a meal, I would recommend starting there. From there, I would proceed to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort because it is the next one on the monorail. At Trader Sam's Grog Grotto is where I'm sending you next. Now, it opens at 3 p.m. daily, so you're going to want to have probably a 1 p.m. Steakhouse 71 lunch reservation if you can nab it around then. But the reason I'm sending you there around opening is because it can get kind of busy. It can be a little tricky to get a table. Now, it's inside and outside. The inside is way more themed and way more fun. But if you're like me and you don't really want to be crammed inside, either for a pandemic or just because you're like, oh, too many people, too inside. And it can be a little weird during the day to be that indoors because there's no windows. There is also outdoor seating and it's really quite nice. But Grog Grotto is only accepting children until that sounds weird. It sounds like Grog Grotto is um is a mythical beast who eats children. Let me rephrase that. Trader Sam's Grog Grotto after 8 p.m. is only 21 and up. That is a way better way to say that. So just keep that in mind that this is something that you can do between 3 and 8 p.m. And after that, no kids allowed. Now from there. I would venture to Grand Floridian and go to Enchanted Rose. They open around 3.30, which is why this makes it a really ideal breakdown to kind of avoid busy crowds and hopefully it won't be too busy at that time of day. If you eat lunch around 1-ish and then you go to Polynesian and then you go to Grand Floridian, you can really kind of hit these places without waiting too, too long because they just opened and they won't have a wait list from prior to that. I also think if you have kids in tow, it's it's nicer to, if you're going to get something from a bar, if you're going to be in a bar environment, it's nicer to have do it while it's bright out because then they can look out the window and see other cool stuff. Now, if you're doing this at nighttime, it is more of a progressive dining situation that is multifaceted. We're going to hope for the best. Timing-wise, I recommend looking up when fireworks are that evening and working backwards. Everything is a little trickier at nighttime when everyone wants to eat dinner and a lot of people are trying to get the same reservation. So we're going to build in flexibility to avoid any issues. And we are going to start at Disney's Grand Floridian. Assuming it's probably like 6 p.m.-ish, light on the ish, we're just going to want to make sure those kids get fed. So we're going to send them to Gasparilla Island Grill to get my favorite macaroni and cheese. It is superior. You know I love it. It is delicious. I recommend you all get it, but still, just making sure those kids have something in their tummies is ideal. If I was the person going on this crawl, I would probably send one adult to check in at Enchanted Rose, kind of see how full it is, what's going on, and then I would have everyone else go feed the kids and then come back up, suss it out. And you can always, the adults can have some of the small plates for your kind of first course because Enchanted Rose does have some, some yummies available. From there, we go to Disney's Contemporary Resort. Now, ideally, 
In an ideal situation, you'd want to get a cocktail from a California grill. But because that's not always easy and it can be busy and depending on how young these kids are, because I'm not really quite sure, that might be very boring for them to just sit there while you all have martinis. Oh, sorry. Um, oh, my dinner is on its way. Yeehaw. Sorry for that beep. <laughs> but it, it might not really be fun for the kids. So I would the second recommendation I would have recommendation I would have is to grab drinks from Outer Rim, which is not my favorite, but alas, but you can do that and go hang outside in the back if the kids want to run around and run off that mac and cheese. If anybody gets hungry, if you you can't get food, if you're not going up to California Grill, you can always grab food from Contempo Cafe, but it's fine. So uh, I would recommend probably just getting some stuff, taking it outside, and watching the sunset. Fingers crossed the sunset is is setting in time for this plan. And then from there, we head to Disney's Polynesian Village Resort, which is going to be the crown jewel of your monorail crawl this evening. It's a bit of a dealer's choice because the real plan here is to grab Dole Whip for the kids from the stand at the hotel, hang on the beach, and then watch fireworks when they begin. It's a really nice view. I really like doing it. You can put your feet in the sand. It's real nice. If anyone is hungry, especially the adults, because this plan doesn't really have a solid dinner for them. It's just kind of snacking as you go. There's always food at Captain Cook's. It's really easy to get. But especially for my adults, if they happen to drink alcohol or not, I'm, I'm pretty sure they can modify everything, go up to the bar by Ohana, Tambu Lounge, and get a Lapu Lapu served in a pineapple. It's a brilliant end to your day. It feels special. And I will say, because everything is different from the pandemic and my brain is now just a, a melted bag of goo, check to make sure they let you walk away from the bar with it. But if you're on property at the hotel, it it should be fine. But anyway, what a nice end to the night. Parents can get something fun and a pineapple. The kids can get Dole Whip. The adults can get Dole Whip. It's a party. You get to see fireworks. So if I was you, that's what my monorail crawl plan would be. I hope that helps. I hope that isn't too much. I hope I didn't name every eatery at Disney's Contemporary <laughs> Resort. <laughs> but if you have any questions, let me know. Now, the last thing I'm going to say is that Depending on what time you go, if you're in a pinch, I would always keep pool bars in your back pocket. You might be able to just grab a drink, grab a food, depending on the setup of each individual bar, depending on if you, I don't know, have to walk past a gate that you need a magic band for. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do anything. I'm just saying like the contemporary, you can order stuff from the pool bar without even entering the pool space as a non-hotel guest. So that's why I'm mentioning it. But I hope you have a wonderful time. I hope you have a wonderful time and enjoy your yummies like I'm going to do with this dinner that's arriving. I'm very sorry you all had to hear that. But um, once once I'm on a roll talking about monorails, I can't stop. Hey, Carly, it's Mohan Kapi. I'm from Chicago. I'm a big Diz fan, and they mentioned your name on one of the podcasts, and now I'm a fan of yours as well. We're going on a seven-day trip, my family and I, this June, and your podcast on Genie Plus with Brooke McDonald was literally one of the best things I heard. I kind of have a good idea how do I attack it, how do I do things, get the most bang on my buck. So thank you very much. And you now have a loyal follower. Have a good day. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for this call. This is so helpful to hear. I love knowing that some of these episodes, the more guide-like ones are worthwhile. We will be doing more like that in the future. So stay tuned. I really want to do some standalone ones where if you're a Disneyland listener and you don't know how to visit Disney World or vice versa or Universal to Disney or anything like that, you can just have one episode that's always in the bank that you can go, oh, I need to know everything I need to know about Disney World and press play. So hopefully more of those will be coming. Thank you so much for the kind words and thank you for listening.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That's our show! Thank you all so much for listening. And if you are curious to read my Eater 38 updates, you can find those at eater.com. Honestly, I could I will put the link in the show notes, but the best way to do it is just to Google Eater 38 Disney World, bada bing, bada boom. That will pop up. I will also put a link to the Eater Disney Springs map in the show notes. You can also Google links is the best way. It's just so convenient. It's so much easier than like going to a website and clicking a link. So just Google it. Just Google it. it it's worth it. It's a handy thing to have in your pocket when you are at the parks. You can rate, review, and follow Very Amusing on Apple Podcasts and rate and follow on Spotify. Thank you so much to everyone who does and has done that in the past. I really appreciate it. It helps get the word helps get the word out. You're like a street team. You're like a little like a little street team letting cool other people know that you're cool and you like this podcast and that they should be in our club. But not in like a peer pressure way, just in like a fun, we want everyone to be in this glorious community and talk about all things food and all things theme parks all the time. You can give us a call in morning, noon, or night at 747-CHUROS. You can also send us a text message, preferably a voice note. But if not, if you just want to feel something out first, that's totally cool too. And you can send a voice note to 747-CHUROS at gmail.com. We welcome your calls. We are getting exceptional calls. Oh my gosh. So please keep them coming because they are very, very good. I also want to add that if your churros call has not been played, that does not mean it will not be played. We have so many good ones. We've really got so many good ones at once. So I'm just spreading them out across episodes. Do not worry. There's a really, really good one about Disneyland horses that I cannot wait to use. But just know that if yours didn't get used and you're like, oh man, I'm never going to call again. Don't worry. I'm still going to use them. I'm just parsing them out. Don't worry. Don't fret. Don't fret. This is a chill zone. You can follow me at Carly Wiesel on Twitter and Instagram and TikTok occasionally. And you can join the family at Facebook.com slash groups slash Carly Wiesel. This episode was edited deliciously by Jeff Fox. Thanks so much for listening. See you real soon. Hey, honey, it's me and I'm in L.A. This is so much fun. Um, I just want to first apologize because I talked for over six minutes last week. Didn't even realize I was just so excited over the episode that I'm a little winded even this week. So I'm going to make up for it and keep it short this week if that's at all possible. Um, I just want you to know I am with my grandson this week and I have taught him how to say hello. <laughs> so he's been saying it all day. It's hysterical. Anyway. Andrew Barstelman is amazing. He's adorable, and he is so much fun. Love him. It was a fun episode to listen to. But I, more importantly for me, I'm so happy to be here with my family this week. But the highlight was yesterday when the two of us ended up with very amusing podcast sweatshirts on yesterday. We did not discuss it. We did not plan it. But it just made my journey this week of the best ever. Um, great episode. I love you so much, and I get to see you in a few hours. Yay! I'm very excited about it. And tomorrow, yay! I'm very happy. I love you. Great episode. I'm so proud of you. And I will see you, I don't want to say real soon, really, really, really soon. Love you, baby. Bye.